Okay. So, uh, thank you all for coming. This is Senator Freilich and uh, Hanukkah. So, tonight's uh, uh, discussion uh, will be specifically related to uh, the Shiloh. I actually have to get back to Benji about it now that I've done a little bit more uh, thorough research. But uh, the Shiloh is really Benji and Batya's uh, Shiloh, uh, which is, uh, we're just uh, distantly connecting it to, uh, to Hanukkah. But it's, uh, it's really a, a question about the brach of Hagomel. Um, as we're going to see, um, there are certain parameters. Uh, when a person says Hagomel, uh, under, under what conditions, what type of potential danger was the person, what uh, circumstances like travel through wilderness or coming out of prison and things, things like that. We're not going to address any of, any of that. Uh, I think it's basically uh, uh, understood, or I think the common practice is certainly when flying overseas, that one is going to say the bracha of Hagomel. Okay, so we're going to take that as a given. Maybe at some future point, we'll, we could come back and we could explore that idea. So here the issue is, is that there may or may not be a requirement that Hagomel be said in the presence of a minion. And if there is such a requirement that Hagomel should be said in the presence of a minion, so as everybody knows that when traveling to Israel now, so there's a mandated two-week quarantine, which means that one isn't allowed to leave and certainly one is not going to be allowed to attend shul uh, in order to be able to do so. So the question will be, if one travels to Israel now, so is the requirement, is there such a thing as a requirement that there has to be a minion there or not? And assuming that there is, and one isn't going to be able to put together a minion uh, for the two weeks that one is in quarantine, so is there any sort of time limit at which you can no longer say Hagomel? Is there, do you have to say Hagomel within a certain span of time? One day, three days, five days a week, two weeks a month, something like that? Or uh, could one go ahead and uh, does it just sort of collect that at any point you're going to say Hagomel for the event which triggered the obligation in the first place anyways. So those are going to be the two essential issues that we're going to deal with, whether or not, number one, whether or not there's a requirement for a minion, and then number two, is there any sort of time frame on, uh, on saying uh, Hagomel or not? Okay, and we're not gonna discuss whether being in quarantine is comparable to being in prison, which Chazal say, we're just gonna put all of that, uh, that, that aside again, save that for a future, uh, a future year. Okay. So we begin, pull up all the sheets. You guys can see all that? Yes. I'm gonna assume, Looks good. assume that that's a yes. I forgot that yeah, I Yes, you. we can see it. Uh, I forgot that I muted you, so it's hard for you to respond. Okay. So here we begin with Shulchan Aruch. So all of this, this is one of these, uh, these nice topics where pretty much all of the sources that you would want to look up are contained within a single simon. So uh, this is ratio test in, in Norachayim, and we're going to go through essentially two simanim with some of the background to those uh, two simanim and see if we could come to a, a conclusion. As we'll see, there may be a difference between the conclusion that Ashkenazim would reach and the conclusion that Sephardim would reach about the same, uh, same Shiloh. And some of it will have to do with interesting klale hapsak, interesting rules having to do with how to paskin out of Shulchan Aruch. Okay. Let's go. Let's uh, begin uh, sort of in the middle of the discussion with Shulchan Aruch. So we're not starting with the Gemara or the Tur or something like that, or the Mishabura. We're starting with Shulchan Aruch. So here in Siv Gimel, Reisha Tes Siv Gimel, Shulchan Aruch says, starting from the, uh, the highlighted word there, So there's an obligation to go ahead and say this bracha in the presence of ten. Ten people, a minion. Vitray minau rabbanan, and two of those ten should be rabbis. Dechsiv, and this the Gemara tells us, is from the pasuk v'yeromemuhu b'kahal am u'moshev zekenim yahaluluhu. So we say that the kahal am kahal is going to be defined as a minion, a congregation of the of the nation, and then moshev zekenim elders is going to be the rabbis. And since the world is in the the word is in the plural, so that's going to require two. That the Gemara says. Now, now, let's say you live in a place where uh, rabbis are hard to, uh, to get by. You may consider that to be a fortunate place where you can't find rabbis, or you may consider it to be an unfortunate place where you can't find rabbis. I'll leave that up to you to decide how you're going to interpret that. But if you're in a place where you're going to have a hard time getting rabbis, so that's not a reason to refrain from saying the brach. 
Common custom, as everybody knows, is that the brach of Agomel is said by Kriyasa Torah, not because there's a unique connection necessarily between the brach of Hagomel and Kriyasa Torah, but if you did Kriyasa Torah, there had to have been a minion. So we could put those two things together, and that way we are assured that when you do it in conjunction with Kriyasa Torah, that there will be a minion. There's a discussion in the postgame whether or not there is an inyan, whether there's a reason for the one who's going to say Hagomel to get in Aliyah or not, also not part of our discussion today. Now he says, and this, uh, this last part is really going to be our primary focus. Now let's say one made the Rachav Hagomel without a minion, without 10 people being present. Yesh Omrim Shiyatza, exactly as one would expect, a clear definitive Psach from Shulchan Aruch. Some people say that you're Yotze, even if there's no minion. Some people say that you're not Yotze. And in the event that you made the bracha initially without a minion, so Shulchan Aruch says, it's a good idea to go ahead and repeat the bracha, that's the Lachzor Levarach, in the presence of 10, without saying Shema Machus. So you say, Baruch, so you'll say without Hashem uh, and that's a way of being able to uh, acknowledge one's thanks to HaKadosh Baruch Hu for the uh, event of uh, which triggered saying HaGomel in the first place, but without having to run the risk of a bracha levatala by repeating Shema Malchus. Okay, so this is what we have in Shulchan Aruch. So Shulchan Aruch brings down two opinions. Can you say the bracha with less than a minion? Some people say yes, and some people say no. Now, why, why, why does the heading say birchat ha-peirot? Um, in, in the overall sections of, uh, of Shulchan Aruch, so birchat ha-peirot and all of the other brachas are grouped into a topic. I actually thought about just deleting that, but then I figured that I'd probably forget to delete all of those additional uh, lines over there. That's just what comes when I copied and pasted. So, but no reason, nothing to do with Paris. Zach, is your hand up? Yeah, it's, it's the, is the Tob Lachsor only on, uh, is on both of them? Whether, whether you say you're Yotze or not Yotze, or is it? Okay, excellent. We're gonna, we're gonna get to that in two and three sources. Oh. So hold, hold that thought, keep that in your, in your head. Now, first is the uh, is the Bir Halacha. So the question that the Bir Halacha is going to be addressing over here is, uh, is everybody here knows, everybody experienced learners here knows that, general, that generally when there is an uncertainty about whether to recite a bracha or not, so the rule of thumb is, Safeg brachos lahakil. That when there's an uncertainty to say a bracha or not, so due to the, uh, the uh, significant risk of making a bracha levatala, taking God's name in vain, that's a risk which we don't want to take. So when in doubt, so we just uh, skip the bracha. It's an easy way to get around things. So we would expect that the rule over here is going to be that if there's a machlokas, if Shulchanach brings out a machlokas, whether to say hagoma without a minion, so the psak should be, don't make the bracha, suffix bracha slahakil. So is that true? Is that the uh, is that the nature of the machlokas over here between these two opinions? And then we would follow the uh, the obvious rule of suffix brachos the or not. So the Bir Halacha addresses this. So we begin from over here from this uh, highlighted word. So the Bir Halacha says this is the more in depth commentary of the Mishabura. So it says v'da if you look at the Machzis HaShekel, a commentary to the Magen Avram, so he implies, according to the second opinion, which says that you should not say the bracha of HaGoma without a minion, if you make the bracha without a minion, that would, that would constitute a bracha levatala. Because according to this second opinion, the bracha was not enacted to be recited unless you have a minion there. Like Kriya Satora, there's no such thing as Kriya Satora without a minion. So here, this second opinion says there's no such thing as Hagoma without a minion. And therefore, according to this, being that Shulchan Aruch did not give, it did not issue a definitive psak whether to make a bracha without a minion, whether you can make a bracha without a minion or not. 
So the natural default is going to be you cannot make the bracha without a minion because if there's a machlokas about whether to make a bracha or not, we're always going to go with don't make the bracha. And therefore the machzis shekel says, as far as halacha lemaisa is concerned, what we would tell a person is, since there's a suffix, since there's the possibility that you would be making a bracha levatala, it may not be recited. That would be the psak halacha according to the machzis shekel. But, your halacha continues. Avodas Rabbi Kivege Bechidushav. But according to Rabbi Kiveger, he says, He says, no, it's not usher to say this bracha, even according to this, uh, this, uh, this, uh, this second opinion. It's just that it's not going to be a chiv. You're not going to be obligated to say the bracha if you don't have a minion. But, and he proves from, from a different halach, which is, it would be too distracting, so I don't want to go into. But he proves there's such a thing as being able to say the bracha just as a form of shevach v'hoda, as a form of praise and thanks to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Ella, so what does the second opinion hold? Ella, di'im yizdam nulo achakach asara, tzarech levarachonapam, derechova. Says all the, the dissenting opinion means is that if you say the bracha, which you're allowed to without a minion, so being that you weren't yotze your obligation yet, so you'll say it again. According to the second opinion, you, you would then, once you finally come upon a minion, then you would say the bracha of Hagoma again with a minion. So one time, the first time you say it without the minion, it's going to be just as an expression of thanks to HaKadosh Baruch Hu for, let's say, allowing you to recover from your illness. But since there's not a minion there, you haven't fulfilled your chiv. So when eventually you come into you, you come across a minion, then you'll say the bracha with shema machus. So you'll say the bracha again in order to fulfill the technical obligation of birchas hagoma. Va'amnam, however, says the chatchila yeshli zar Now this is the birhalacha talking. He says so. The the machatis shekel says according to the second opinion, it's asr to say hagoma. According to Rabbi Kiveger, it's not usher to say the, the bracha. If you want to, you can say it. It's just that you haven't filled your obligation, and therefore, the obligation to say it is ongoing until you finally come upon a minion and you say it in the presence of a, 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 of a minion. So that, so there's a major disagreement now between the Machzis HaShakel and Rabbi Kiveger, whether according to this second opinion, you can say it or not. Then he says, he says that, however, on a practical uh, matter, uh, you should go ahead and you should refrain from saying the bracha without a minion, even according to the second even according to the second opinion, just as a as an expression of praise and thanksgiving to Hashem, you shouldn't do it. Why, on a practical level, should you not do it? Because if, if you already said the bracha without dominion, because uh, practically in the event that you do eventually come upon a minion, you're not going to be able to say the bracha again as an obligation. Why? Because maybe we possibly like the first opinion says you already yelled say without a minion. So you say it the first time, even though there's no minion, because maybe I could uh, I could say it the uh, stamazoid, and then I could then that's not going to be a problem because I could always say it later. But practically, I can't say it later either because maybe the halach is like the first opinion, which says I was already yotze when I said it without the minion, and therefore the best thing to do is wait until you get a minion. And if you wait until you get a minion, that way you'll say it with a minion, and everybody's going to be thrilled to pieces that you said it with a minion. So we have this a, a disagreement between the Machzis Shekel and Rabbi Kiveger. How exactly to understand this second opinion? This Yeshom Shlo Yatsa. Does it mean Shlo Yatsa because there's no Chiv to say without a minion at all? Or there's not a Chiv, but there's an option to go ahead and say it. Let me say that better. According to Machzis Shekel, according to second opinion, if you say without a minion, it's a Baruch Atala. According to this, according to Rabbi Kivager, it's not a bracha levatala. You just may not have fulfilled your obligation yet, and you'll still have an obligation which is ongoing. But it's not going to be something which is carries that tremendous risk of a bracha levatala. So here we have these two opinions which are brought down by Rabbi Kivager. 
to as far as whether this uh, this idea of having a minion present or not is something which is essential. Okay. Okay. Gvald. Now comes along what you have over here from the Chuvi Chavadas. So this is from Ravad Yosef. The Chavadas, for those who don't know, Ravad wrote two different sets of Chuvas for him. One is the Abiyah Omer, and the second is the Chavadas. Yabia Omer were those things where the Chuvas which he wrote, which he intended to be written and printed, and uh, they are much more thorough. Uh, they are the, the thoroughness that the one is, that's characteristic of Ravad Yosef. And then the Chavadas really started off as he used to, Ravadia used to give a radio show. I think it was on Motsoi Shabbos, uh, where he would discuss halachas, he would discuss the parash, he would discuss whatever was, uh, was going on. And they went ahead and they recorded a number of those shiurim, which he had on the radio where he recorded, uh, where he would address very lemaisa types of shilas. Lemaisa meaning that it wasn't just somebody had sent a question to him, but lemaisa in the sense that it has broad application to all sorts of uh, different uh, people. So that is what ended up being recorded, written down in, uh, into the Chavadas. So Chavadas is sort of like Revavadya light. I would say it's like diet revavadja, so you get uh, some of the taste of it, but you don't get all of the uh, all of the depth and all of the, uh, the the sources. But he says as follows: So he has two different chuvas, which I was able to see, where he talks about uh, making the bracha of hagomel. So he says He says shochanach writes yesh omrim. Some people say If you go ahead and you say the bracha of hagomel without a minion, you are yotze. And then he says, the second dissenting opinion says, you are not Yotze. And it's a good idea, this is Shulchan Aruch's conclusion, it's a good idea to go ahead and repeat the bracha without Hashem Elkeinu Malcholam. Tzachi, now we get to your point. He says, He says, it's clear, Shulchan Aruch holds, that if you say Hagomel without a minion, you are not Yotze. Now, why does he say that? Why does Ravadya come along with such simplicity and say, Pashut, so that it's obvious that, that uh, according to Halacha, the Shochanarch himself holds that you're not Yotze. So, this is a, a great example of one of the uh, differences between the way. Uh, some of these Sephardim go ahead and learn through Shulchan Aruch, and the way Ashkenazi may go ahead, and, or non-Sephardim, would go ahead and le- learn through Shulchan Aruch. And one of those major differences has to do with rules of how to read Maran, or how to read the Shulchan Aruch. So if we look back at Shulchan Aruch over here, I mean, Ravad Yekose, but we'll see it over here. So we have is Yesh Omrim, we have Yesh Omrim and Yesh Omrim. Some people say you're Yotze, some people say that you are not Yotze. So uh, one of the questions which you always have to ask yourself, I'm just going to give you a, a quick history of the work called Shulchan Aruch uh, in order to be able to appreciate what exactly is going on. Uh, the original work, the work that Shulchan Aruch is based on is the Beis Yosef. The tour was the one, the... Uh, one the, from uh, from Chumash, you would know him as the Balaturim, the son of the Rosh. So the tour is the one who went ahead and organized Halach Lamais into the four sections of Shochan that we know. Or Chaim, Yordea, Choshemishba, Nebenezer. That was the tour's organization, and that was his innovation. So he wrote the tour with the expectation that he's going to summarize and present in a clear format uh, Halachas in this logical type of sequence. And but uh, different than the Rambam, obviously different than the, than the Rambam. Uh, the Rambam covers all of halach, even that which is not lemaisa. The uh, the tour is going to focus only on that which is halach lemaisa, and he organized it in a very specific, uh, sequential uh, sequential manner. But he didn't quote. He didn't say necessarily which gemaras the halachas are based on, and he quoted very few, relatively few rishonim. So for a generation or so, a generation or two or three. So the tour took off as a, as a, as a, as a uh, significant halachic work, but it was seen as lacking because people didn't know where he got the halachas from. They couldn't trace backwards from the tour to the original sugyas somewhere in Shas. So Rav Yosef Karo, 
decided that he's going to write a supplemental work to the tour, which he called, we call it the Beis Yosef, uh, he probably called it the Beit Yosef or something like uh, like that. And what he's going to do in the Beit Yosef is he's going to provide the Gemara background as well as a more thorough uh, review of the relevant Rishonim. And that was the that was the work which is called the Beit Yosef. So Beit Yosef is really commentary to the tour where you're going to get more of the background in a better understanding of the of, of the sugyas and the and the halachas. And in many halacha kololim. So their starting point for an area of halacha which they're studying may very well be tour Beis Yosef, because that will send you back to the relevant Gemaras and then they'll tell you exactly where to, where, where to look. Okay, now the Beis Yosef in his own lifetime, to his great credit, realized he wanted really that one, if you, next time you're in a shul that has a tour, you'll go ahead and you'll, you'll look at it. Uh, so the Beis Yosef wanted that people should be able to review the tour and the Beis Yosef every 30 days. That was his plan of study, that one should be able to make their way through tour Beis Yosef every 30 days. And that way you'll have a regular Chazara of all of Shulchan Aruch, and that would just be Givaldic, and then people would be uh, fluent in, in matters of halacha. During his lifetime, he realized that he may be the only person alive who's capable of doing that, who's able to cover that much ground uh, and understand what they're reading at that type of, uh, at that type of, uh, at that type of pace. So he said, you know what, it's not going to be uh, sufficient. I can't expect everybody's going to go ahead and finish the entire tour Beis Yosef every 30 days. So I'm going to make it easier for them. I'm going to write a Cliff Notes version with just the summaries of the Beis Yosef. And that way, for people who are looking for a quick review, so they'll be able to use that as a quick review just to know what the conclusions are. And when they want to know really what's going on, then they'll do the tour Beis Yosef. In that work, which was the shortened version with just the summary lines of the Tur Beis Yosef, that's what we call Shulchan Aruch. So Shulchan Aruch was originally intended to be the summary or the final conclusions of those discussions. And Siyata Deshemai would have it that Shulchan Aruch ends up being the primary source for halacha rather than the Cliff Notes version of what it was originally intended to be. Okay, now with that uh, background, so if Shulchan Aruch's intent is to go ahead and summarize and bring down the final conclusion of the discussion. So when you call up the rabbi and you say, Rabbi, uh, I did this to my, uh, my pot, do I have to kasher it or not? So what do you want the rabbi to say? The rabbi should say one of two words and that's it. He should either say yes or he should say no. That's what we want when we, when we ask for Pesach Halacha. Just tell me either it's mutter or it's Aser, kasher, don't kasher, whatever the, uh, whatever the question is, but just give me the answer. What you don't want to hear from the rabbi is, Rabbi, do I need to kasher this? You don't want the rabbi to say, well, some people say yes and some people say no. That's not why you call the rabbi. You don't call the rabbi to find out it's a machlokas. You already knew what you didn't know before you called the rabbi, and you don't need to reinforce that with the other uh, rabbi, confirming that maybe yes, maybe no. So anytime Shulchan Aruch, like he does over here, so why would Shulchan Aruch tell us that there's these two opinions? We turn to Shulchan Aruch to get a definitive psaq, not to tell me that there's machlokas. If I wanted to find out about the machlokas, I'll look at the Beis Yosef. I turn to Shulchan Aruch because I want a definitive psaq. Many poskim, and now we swing back around to what Ravadia is talking about over here. Many poskim say that when Ravadia writes these types of things, He's writing in code, and if you know the code, you know exactly what he feels, exactly what his opinion is. So in this case, this rule is called yesh v'yesh, meaning that, that Shulchan Aruch presents the halacha, not this is the halacha, and there is a dissenting opinion. That would be stam v'yesh. But when you present yesh v'yesh, some people say that you're yotze, some people say you're not yotze. The halacha is always like the second opinion. That, according to those who hold of Klalei Apsak of Shulchan Aruch, he always paskins like the second Yesh Omen. Yesh v'yesh, Yesh Omen v'yesh Omen, Halacha k'yesh Basra. They hold like the second one. So that's why Ravadja comes along over here and says that, after reading the words of Shulchan Aruch, he says, It's obvious that Shulchan Aruch is telling us that if you make the Brach of Agoma without a minion, you're not Yotzei. Now the question is, now we still have to reread Shulchan Aruch, Tzachi, getting back to your point, because if there's, ta, if there's two opinions here, 
in Rav Avadia's opinion, is really like the second opinion, which says that you're not Yotze. So why does he throw in that line afterwards that if you violated halacha, tov below haskar machos, why is he telling you to go back and make the brach without shem machos? If he holds you're not Yotze, then you should be able to say the full bracha with a minion. So why is he telling you now what's this vitov? So he says, v'rak lachosh ledas hatur. However, since he acknowledges that there is a dissenting opinion, that's why I quoted it in the first place. So since he, even though we don't pask in that way, but it is a valid recognized opinion. So therefore, so therefore he says that being that there is a dissenting opinion and lemaisa, according to that opinion, repeating the bracha would be a bracha levatala. So just to be cautious with the very severe transgression of uh, of uh, making a bracha levatala, it's a good idea to go ahead and say it once again, but without shame of malchus. But Ravadi really holds, if you ask the Shailun lechatchila, I'm not going to be able to say hagoma with a bracha, can I make the bracha or not? Ravadi would say it's clear that according to Shulchan Aruch, you are not Yotze. You, are, you may not go ahead and say the, uh, the bracha without, the, without a minya being present. So now that would mean, get as far as Benji is concerned. So Benji's in quarantine, he's not going to be able to gather a minion outside of the window wherever he happens to be uh, to be staying. So it's not going to be an option for him to go ahead and say Hagomel in the absence of a minion. That's not going to be something on his agenda. What about for us? Let's say we could go ahead and we could uh, uh, pull a Star Trek moment over here and we'll send Benji back from Yushalayim. I think he's in Yushalayim. He'll come back over here to the States and we'll, we'll take his place over there in Israel. So can we go ahead and say the bracha without a minion or not? So here, the Mishabura, he actually has a different opinion about this. And that's what you have over here. He says on this, these two, the, the two opinions, some people say you're Yotze, some people say that you are not. So he says, the kol ikar asar eno el mitzvah. So the Mishabura says, according to the first opinion, he says the whole idea of having a minion present when you say hagomel is lemitzvah. Lemitzvah is as opposed to lechova. So he doesn't say it's obligatory. He says it's a nice thing. It, it enhances the bracha to go ahead and say it in the presence of a minion. But it's not something which is essential. Ulefiza. And therefore, based on this, since the, the Mishabura is not saying that we automatically pass to like the second opinion, he's saying there is a machlokas over here, and he seems to recognize that both of them as being of equal weight. So therefore, he says, Lafiza, based on this, let's say a person knows that they're not going to have a minion available to them, quarantine for 14 days, the quarantine for a month, whatever the circumstance is, that they're not going to have a minion. So then, Yavarach below Asara. So being that both opinions are equally, equally valid, so you should go ahead and, in that case, you could follow the first opinion, which says, make the bracha without opinion. Even the chatchila, when you know that you're not going to be able to get a minion, go ahead and say it without, uh, without a minion. And this is going to introduce us to the next topic. But he says, if you look in the ra'ah, he writes, the yamtin ad shloshim yom that the amount of time that you should give to be able to get a minion to say the bracha is 30 days. Uh, that maybe you'll get a minion within those next 30 days, and that way you'll be able to say the bracha in the ideal manner with a minion there, with a minion present. But you wouldn't wait any more than 30 days. So if it's possible that within 30 days you'll get yourself a minion, so then you'll wait to say the bracha until you have a, a minion. But in the event that you were certain, or you, it seems reasonable that you're not going to have a minion for 30 days, let's say this was now um, uh, uh, April time, this past April. So somebody was in Eretz Yisrael, they flew back from Eretz Yisrael, and as soon as they arrived, everybody's in quarantine, all the shuls are shut down, there aren't minyanim anywhere. So in a case where, and it doesn't look like for the foreseeable future, there's going to be a minion. So in that case, the Mishaburu would say, listen, if you're not going to be able to gather together a minion, so follow the first opinion, which says that it's acceptable to say the bracha without a minion, and that, uh, that, that, will, be the, uh, that, that will be it. So in that scenario, we may very, ha- may very well have a machlokas between the Mishaburu and Revavadya, whether or not somebody who does not anticipate a minion for the next 30 days, will they say the bracha without the minion or will they not? 
Ashkenazim with the Mishabura says that you, that you would, and Ravadya says that you would not. Okay. Now, uh, just as a practical consideration, what may be possible, this is the Piske Chuvas. Um, uh, somebody who's alive now who uh, 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 has collated what others have written either about Shulchan Aruch or about, uh, uh, about the Mishabura. So he writes as follows. I'm just going to read this quickly. He says, He says, as far as making the bracha, uh, like the Mishabura, without a minion, he says that's not the minion. That's what he claims. And we do not make the bracha, he claims, unless there is a minion without a minion present. Skipping the parentheses. So what happens to the person who flies and is going to be in quarantine or there are no minyanim which are taking place in town to be able to, uh, to have a minion to say the bracha? So it says, So rather than saying, so what occasionally we do in these unusual circumstances is we flip the wording into Aramaic. So then you're not really saying a bracha levatala, but it expresses essentially the same idea. So you'll say, you may add elokana, malka da'alma. So rather than Hashem elokenu melech so you go ahead and you, uh, you say it in Aramaic. And being that you don't have minion anyways, so you could go ahead and you could say this wording as an expression of thanks by yourself. And given those circumstances, that's the best that you would be able to do. Then he says, Let's say you're optimistic. And you're hoping that the shuls will open up again shortly, and maybe within the next 30 days you'll be able to get a minion. Then lo yomar nusa Then he says you shouldn't say this Aramaic uh, uh, formulation. Then you would just say your expression of thanks without You just say baruch and you skip And then if you do it in this way because you're, you're hoping that maybe you'll, you'll come upon a minion, then then if eventually you do run into a minion, so then then you will be able to say the full language of the bracha because you didn't really say it. You're absolutely not yotze without Hashem So then you would still retain the ability to say it with the full bracha later on. Would that apply, would that apply if he had said it uh, in Nusach also, and then encounter Dominion later? Um, so I, I'm, I'm not sure. I don't know all of the details of, uh, in the footnote, which I didn't go through, it was a long footnote, I didn't go through all of the details about when you do use this Aramaic formulation and when you do not. So I don't know enough about that to be able to, uh, to answer you, Al, but it's a, it's a very good question. It seems, it, it seems not because he didn't mention it over there, but uh, I wouldn't be medaic so much. I wouldn't uh, infer so much from the writings of uh, somebody who's a contemporary of all of ours who's still alive now, whether or not he was, a, he was writing with that degree of precision like we would expect from, uh, from Rishonim. So I'd have to do more research on that. Uh, can, can I ask about the Mishnah Brewer's statement uh, you shouldn't wait longer than 30 days, Yoter Lo Yamtin. Is he saying that after 30 days it's Osir, or is he saying that just if it's, if it's going to be more than 30 days, it's preferable to do it by, without a minion? Okay, excellent. Thank you so much for that segue into the next topic. The next half of this year. I don't know if it's going to be half in terms of time, but the second, uh, the second part of this year. Okay, so perfect. So that's, that's what the tour writes now in the very next uh, source. So now the question is, uh, is, there, is there a reason to wait? Is there not a reason to wait? Uh, Art uh, no, noted very well that the Mishabura seems to put this time, uh, the time limit on 30 days. But where does that come from? Is that actually the time limit? What's the issue with, uh, with the timing of Hagomel or not? So the tour says, So really you should say the bracha, immediately upon release from prison, immediately upon your return from the journey overseas, immediately upon your, um, uh, your return from the journey uh, uh, through the desert, it should be done right away. But the tour says, it's not always uh, uh, an option to go ahead and say the bracha right away. So the tour says, without any qualification, in the event that you delayed saying the bracha, 
So you have as long as you want. In other words, there's no time for it. There's no time limit. Whenever you get around, if you don't get to it this Shabbos because you want to sleep late because you're still tired, you'll get it on Monday, you'll get it on Thursday, you'll get it next Shabbos. We're not in a big rush according to the tour because the main thing is at some point to express your appreciation to HaKadosh Baruch Hu for um, allowing you to journey safely, allowing you to recover, allowing your release from prison. And that's all the main thing is that you should be able to, as long as, seemingly, as long as you're still appreciative of the event which took place. So you go ahead and you would say the, uh, the bracha. That's what the tour says. Now we get an example of what the Beis Yosef added to the tour, which the tour did not, the, the tour does not have. So here's the Beis Yosef on this line of the tour. He says, in the event that you delayed in saying the bracha, so you can make it up whenever you want. So explains the Beis Yosef. This is the tourist opinion. One of the early Rishonim, he writes, in the name of the Ramban, you only get three days from when you return from your trip overseas or when you recover or when you return from your release from prison. You have three days in which to make the bracha. And after that, the bracha expires. Now, where do you get, where did the Ramban three days from? What's this, uh, this notion? So for Dafyomi people, you'll be excited because it wasn't too long ago. Not too long ago in Dafyomi terms, meaning it's less than two months ago. So it says, Ni matzasi kasav the taima. And I found that the reason is based on Midamrina Be'erevin, the Gemara and Erevin says, Now you shouldn't take this halacha, this as halacha lemaisa, because we don't have in that well anyways uh, in, in the first place. But according to the Gemara, it says that somebody who returns from a trip, lo yispala at shoshayamin, the first three days after return, maybe this was jet lag back then, or camel lag or something like that, whatever lag they had. But when you return from your, from your trip, so don't daven for three days, because you don't have the necessary presence of mind after the journey to Davin. So what do we see from there? So for three days after your return, so you're considered to be somebody who returned from a journey. So since returning from a journey overseas or returning from a journey over the desert is what triggers the obligation, so you can only make the bracha as long as you're considered to be a returner or somebody who returned. Once you uh, fall back into the regular population four days later, so we no longer care about your trip. We don't want to see your slideshow anymore. We're not interested in your pictures anymore. We're not, we don't want to hear any of your stories after three days. So then that's why, according to the Ramban, you would not say the bracha anymore. So this is, very, this is a huge machogus. The tour maintains that you have as long as you want. And the Ramban says you don't get it any more than three days. And the middle opinion, the Rashba says from Rabbeinu Yona, you get five days to say the bracha. So, so that, now, it's yeah. quite a paradox. It seems to be saying, at least in those days, that that during the first three days you have to say the bracha, but otherwise you can't daven. Correct. Right. I, I mean, <laughs> it's very strange. Right, but, but you can add to that, based on what we said before, is that if the minute gets to do it by Kriya Satora, so you show up in show for davening, so that you're there at Kriya Satora, but you're not davening, right? Even stranger, that you're, yeah. you're just there as a, you know, to make the minion, but you're not even participating. Excellent. Yeah. Okay, so we have three opinions now. So we have one opinion, the tour says that if you don't do it right away, there's no expiration. You have Rabbeinu Yon, sorry, you have the Uh-oh. After three days or five days? Okay, so now how does Shulchan Aruch go ahead and codify this? So says Shulchan Aruch right over here, Vim Icher. Now let's say you don't say the bracha right away upon your return. So Shulchan Aruch seemingly goes like the tour, that you have as long as you want to make up the bracha, to be able to say it. Preferably, you should not wait more than three days. That's taking into account the opinion of the Ramban, in the name of the Ramban, that preferably try and get it done within those first three days. 
But in the event that you don't, Shulchan Aruch says that it doesn't actually expire. And therefore, if you're going to say it five days later, seven days later, even two weeks later, so then you'd be good to go. What this would mean, according to, uh, uh, for Benji, is that according to Benji, since uh, saying the bracha in the presence of a minion is essential, that's the way Shulchan Aruch Paskins. So therefore, and, and at the same time, Shulchan Aruch seemingly says, like the tour, that you could go ahead and you could delay the bracha if necessary, even beyond the three or five days. So perhaps what Benji should do is he should be wait the two weeks till the quarantine is over. And then once he's out of quarantine, then he could go ahead and he could say the bracha with a minion and he will fulfill both of these rulings of, of Shulchan Aruch. So let's see if our analysis is correct. We have one more uh, piece from the, a different tshuva of the Chavadas, once again, and then another one from the Mishnah Boron. We'll see uh, uh, whether there's going to be a difference on this point between the way Sfardim may pass in this halacha and the way us Ashkenazim would pass in the halacha. So what does Rav Avadji say? Says, Venira Shemara. Now the question is, so here also, it's a fascinating thing. So there's two opinions. One, uh, let me put it to you, let me frame it to you this way. Am I allowed to make the bracha of Agomel seven days after my journey? So seemingly, the Beis Yosef told us it's a machlokas rishonim. Rabbeinu Yonah says, I'm sorry, I should say, the Orchos Chaim in the name of the Ramban says, after three days, you cannot recite the bracha. The Rashba in the name of Rabbeinu Yonah says, after five days, you may not recite the bracha. The Torah says, you can recite the bracha even after the five days. So on day seven, can you say the bracha or not? So it seems to be the majority opinion would seem to say, no, you're not allowed to say the bracha anymore. The bracha has already expired. The Torah says yes, but he seems to be all by himself. He's not quoting any earlier Rishonim. And we definitely have authoritative earlier Rishonim who say that you should not be saying the bracha that late. So what is going on over here? So if, if we were going to be the Beis Yosef, if we could put ourselves into, uh, I would say, if we could put on Beis Yosef's hat, but he probably wore a turban. So if you could go ahead and you could put on the Beis Yosef's turban for a moment, and you're looking at these three shitas, so how are you going to paskin? Remember, because we said that the risk of saying a brachal of atala is so severe, the general rule is, tafik brachos lahakil, that whenever there's a doubt or machlok is about to say a bracha, we're always going to be lenient. So if you were the Beis Yosef, what would you expect him to say? We'd expect him to say, at the very least, maybe if he wants to compromise, but certainly not after five days, we would expect him to say that once five days have transpired, then you now lose the, you, you now lose the majority of Rishonim, and you shouldn't be saying the bracha anymore. And yet, Shulchan Aruch doesn't say that. Shulchan Aruch seemingly goes like the minority opinion of the tour to say that you could say the bracha even a week later, two weeks later, a month later. So why is, why is, the Beis Yosef in the Shulchan Aruch, why is he not following the rule that we would expect him to follow? So he says, so the Rav Vadya explains, Nira, Shemaran lo chashiv ledivar Ramban Rabbeinu Yonah He says it would appear that the Beis Yosef was not concerned, lo chashash, he wasn't concerned at all with the opinion of the Ramban, Rabbeinu Yonah, or the Rashba. Who said the latter opinions? Who said that the time, the, the expiration on the bracha of Agoma is going to be five days? How could he just ignore those opinions? So here, this is why not everything follows exact rules as we anticipate. So explains Ravavadya, because even though the tour didn't tell us what his explanation is, it's clear and evident where he based his opinion on, which is. Because the Gemara never puts a time frame on this. The Gemara doesn't put an expiration on it. We have a Gemara in Erevin which talks about whether you should say Shmonasri the first three days upon the return from, from your trip. But the Gemara didn't link that to the Bracha of Hagomel. In the discussion of Hagomel, the Gemara doesn't say anything about this Bracha expiring whatsoever. So if you want to know what's the simple opinion, the simple a uh, conclusion that one would draw from the totality of Shaz, make the bracha whenever you get a chance to say the bracha. If you can't say it right away, so you say it later. So therefore, so the simple reading of the Gemara is like the tour, and therefore the, the uh, Beis Yosef comes along and says that it's so clear and so pashat that therefore he's going to ignore, again, as we add up opinions sometimes, he's going to ignore 
seemingly the majority opinion, which puts an expiration on the bracha, and he says, eh, there's no expiration whatsoever. Preferably, if you want to be yotze those opinions, go ahead and try and say it within the first three days. But if you can't say it within the first three days, probably the Beis Yosef didn't say it, but nishka ferlach, we would say in Yiddish, that it's not, it's not going to be such a big deal to go ahead and push it off, and you could get away with it even five days later, seven days later, even a month later. So here we have so once again, being that the Shulchan Aruch is going like the uh, is going like the tour, so it seemed to me that Benji's psak is going to be that if he can't get a minion together while he's in quarantine, which would seem unlikely, so he can wait, he can hold off on the bracha until he gets back, until I'm sorry, until quarantine ends, and then the first time he goes to Shul afterwards, he'll tell them. Uh, that uh, yeah, I flew in from uh, from from the states, and I want to say uh, Hagomel, and he'll say the bracha of Hagomel at that point. Give it up. Is your hand up, Safi? Yeah, couldn't couldn't you make the argument that he's still even in quarantine? He's still considered in the danger of the same danger of flying. Um, so the the, the Sfarim are very specific about flying. There's also a difference, also a discussion which we're not uh, having today. But uh, uh, I, I, if, I, if I remember correctly, I think Benji would make Hagomel every time he flies on a plane, even if it's not overseas, as opposed to Asa Ashkenazi would only do it if it's uh, if it's uh, if it's an overseas uh, journey. But it, it, the quarantine isn't the, the quarantine by itself. The, the, there's a lot of discussion. If you look up, um, uh, if you Google uh, Hagomel quarantine. So you see tons of articles were written about if somebody was in quarantine and then they come out, do they say Hagomel, is that considered to be ill? Were they in danger or they weren't? But here he's there just because of the government regulations. It's not because he was exposed to anything. It's not because he thinks that he's sick. They just happen to have a regulation that anybody who's coming in from overseas has to go into quarantine. So the trigger for the bracha was the travel, not the quarantine. Again, quarantine, maybe we'll call it prison, but that's not really the prison that Chazal we're talking about either. So I don't, I don't think that that will be enough to uh, to trigger the uh, trigger the uh, Hagoma. So now, what does the Mishabura say as far as the time frame of the bracha? Does it expire? Does it not expire? So here we have Shoshiyamim. So we said that. Uh, so the Shochan said that. Uh, in the event that you delay, you don't say it right away. You can say it as long as you want, but nachon, it's proper to say within the first three days. Says the Mishabura. Now, this is what we saw, the explanation that, that the Beis Yosef quoted for the Orchos Chaim in the name of the Ramban. For the first three days, you're considered to be somebody who returned from your trip. Because of Achron, in the Achronim right, and here he links together the first topic together with the second topic, the minion topic together with the timing topic. He says, that if saying it within the three, first three days will mean that you will say it without Kriyasa Torah, you'll just say it's Stam when a gathering, you meet 10 people at a bus stop and you'll say Hagomel and it's not going to be in that context. If the Aminag, which is the Minag, is to say it by Kriyasa Torah, Still, it's better to say it within the three days than to say it in conjunction with the Kriyasa Torah. Even though there is a minute to say it with Kriyasa Torah, but that minute to say it by Kriyasa Torah doesn't override the, uh, the, um, the preference to go ahead and say the bracha within the first three days. Kagon, for example, let's say you, uh, you return, you came back on a, on a Monday, and you don't return, your return flight doesn't land until Monday afternoon. So you're going to miss Kriyasa Torah Monday morning. Now, when's the next time you're going to get Kriyasa Torah? Not till Thursday. So nonetheless, uh, so the Mishapura says that based on the Shulchan Aruch, you would not wait until Thursday to say Hagomel. The first Monday night when you get to Mariv, uh, saying it at night is a different shayla altogether. Let's say Tuesday morning after Shachris, you'll give a clap on the bima, and you'll say, Rabosei, I returned from a trip yesterday, I need to say Hagomel, and you'll say Hagomel on Tuesday rather than waiting all the way until Thursday, because Thursday is all the way, already the third day. You wouldn't wait until the, until Thursday. And then he says, the look back uh, before in Sifka Ches, that's the previous thing which we saw in terms of whether or not a minion is necessary or not and how that interaction is going to, is going to take place. 
So, so if Thursday is too late, does that mean that the rest of Monday counts as the first day? So the rest of Monday and then Tuesday and Wednesday and the three days are gone? Correct, correct. The, the, day, that, the day that you arrive is day one. Absolutely, yes. So this would be the, uh, so this would be the, uh, the, uh, the, the issues which, uh, which uh, Benji is facing. And then many of us, uh, you know, hopefully we should all be zochet to be able to, uh, to travel to Israel soon. Uh, soon enough that we may even get quarantined on our, on our way in. But uh, the, these are the issues as to whether or not a, a, mitz, a, a minion is necessary or not. Mishabura is much more lenient as far as a minion is concerned. Uh, Ravavadya is much more machmer as far as a minion is concerned. And as far as the timing of it is concerned, so being that Shulchan Aruch adopted a lenient position, so then Sephardim are going to be lenient as, as far as that. It's preferable to do it within the first three days, but after that, you could keep on doing it, and he doesn't be, even consider it to be a suffix. It's not even a suffix, brachos lahakel. And the Mishabura went ahead and emphasized for us also that the three days is preferable, but it's a very strong preference. It, 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 that preference of three days overrides saying it in conjunction with Kriya Torah. So if there's a tension between the two, that's like we talk about the rock, paper, scissors of halacha. So the rock, paper, scissors of halacha, three days beats out the minion of Kriya Torah. And therefore, if necessary, you'll say a Tuesday morning or Wednesday morning or something like that, rather than pushing it off till Thursday till the next time that there is, uh, is Kriya Torah. Um, but in the event that you don't get it, so the Mishabur already told us that if you need to uh, push it off up until those 30 days, perhaps, to get a minion, so you would push it off in order to, uh, to do so. So despite the preference to get it done within those first three days, if you'll get a minion later on, so then uh, you go ahead and uh, wait, for the, uh, wait for the minion. What if you Alrighty? can't say it before your return? You're not there long enough? Yeah, you're, you're, or you, you, you're in a position where you have to leave before you can uh, come up with a way to say it. Um, like if, for example, Benji, for some reason, God forbid, had to come home before the end of the 14 days. Right. So in that case, uh, he'll, he'll probably say it for his return journey when he comes right. back. And then, you know, he'll have in mind both of them. You know, sometimes it happens, the scenario where that happens, which is also, it's a, it, it'd be an interesting thing, but I, 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 I think that this would be the answer. But people who fly to Israel uh, for a kvura. Somebody passes away, they fly to Israel, they go straight to the seminary, they do the kvura, and then they go from the cemetery back to the airport, back on a plane, and they come back home. So for them, I would say that they, they never stop their journey, that this is one trip. Just like if, you know, if, you, if you're flying to Israel, you stop over in Amsterdam or Paris or something like that. We don't say you're going to say the bracha in Amsterdam and then... Again, when you arrive in Israel, we consider that to be one journey, and you make it at the end of that, uh, that journey. So certainly somebody who plans on going there and back, so then I, I would say that they were going to make the bracha only once they come back, because it's all part of one journey. If Benji was suddenly compelled to come back before he had a chance to, to do so, so then he's not going to be able to say it for the, uh, the trip there, and he'll just say it on, the, uh, 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 on his return, and he'll have in mind both of those. Uh, I would tell him that he should have in mind both of those trips. Rabbi Schaffel, if you were on the plane yeah. and you know there's a minion of Jews on the plane, okay, and you land, okay, you are you are now taxiing in at the uh, at Lod, right? Okay. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, you, don't, you don't know you don't know exactly what's going to happen with this uh, quarantine. What the what the outcome is going to be? Could you uh, hedge your bets by um, making the um, Gomel then? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, you're, you're making me look bad because really that probably would have been the smartest thing to advise Benji. Now it's too late for that because he's already in quarantine, but that, that, that's, that's an outstanding etza. That's, that's very rabbinic of you. Avoid the shaila and just answer it uh, by, <laughs> by avoiding the question. But yes, yeah, so that's something that they should actually, we should uh, like tell Elal or we should tell travel agents that they should tell people who are flying to Israel now that as soon as they land, or as soon as they're about to hit the gate, when they're waiting for them to open up the doors, as everybody's in the thing, somebody should get up and say hagomel and just be mozi everybody with the, with the bracha there before anybody has to go into quarantine. Outstanding. Yes, that's the best answer. Yeah, I, I have to leave to go to another class. Okay, oh. take care. All right, have a good shot. Yeah. Stay, stay healthy. Stay, yes, stay
Yeah, isn't part of the current danger, though, that they'll get COVID and that's why they have, you know, the quarantine afterwards? So are you really past the danger from the flight? Um, yeah, I, I, I don't... The, the danger which which triggers the Brachva Gomel is that there was um, there was a real and present danger and not potential danger. Those, uh, I'm sure Tzach, you've heard Rabbi Cohen tell this story many times. Uh, somebody who said, uh, went to... Um, uh, Rav Mo, I'm, not, I'm forgetting his name, Rav Moshe something. Um, the name will come to me at, at some point. But they went, they said, I was on a street corner uh, and then uh, I left the street corner and 10 minutes later there was a car accident and had I been on the corner 10 minutes later, I would have been hit by the car. Rav Moshe Bek, that was the name. Rav Moshe Bek. So I want to know, should I say Hagomel? Because if they had been there just 10 minutes later, they would have been hit by this, uh, you know, this car, you know, whatever would, uh, you know, danger would have happened. So if Moshe Bick's response was, you know what? Just 10 minutes ago, my wife was ironing these pants. And if I was wearing these pants 10 minutes later, I would have been burned by that, uh, by the iron. And that would have, uh, that would have been terrible. So that was his way of responding and saying, it's not things which may have happened, which trigger Hagomel. Hagomel is things which did happen. So if you just missed an accident, you don't say Hagomel. If you're in an accident and then you survived, that's when you say Hagomel. So the quarantine, which we do for traveling, isn't really that we that there was a danger that the person is there. It's we're concerned that maybe it's potentially dangerous, but it's not a, an actual danger which is sufficient to trigger uh, to trigger Hagomel. Yes, Avi. You, tr- you, you triggered a, 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 a question that popped in my mind. Someone who, who goes to Eretz Yisrael for Kvura mm-hmm. to bury a parent. Yeah. When he gets to Eretz Yisrael, does, he, does, he, have, does he have an obligation to, to, to bench Gomel? He's not doing anything else. Everything, Gomel is more of... Yeah, so I mean, when he first lands in, in that scenario, getting back to what you said, uh, Bob. So in that scenario, you wouldn't be able to say Agoma right away because he's an Onan. So as an Onan, he wouldn't be saying a bracha anyways. So for right, him, so, that may not. But after the burial, would he now? Does that? Does yeah. So now, yeah, yeah. Can he say it now, or is he now he's putter from it because at the time of when he landed, he was he he wasn't allowed to say it. Um. So I have to look back again. Very good. I have to look back again. Uh, those of you who don't know, this is Tzachi Myers. <laughs> he's, a, he's a regular now, so you should get to know him. Tzachi is, uh, for young Israel of Skokie people, his claim to fame is he's Danny's nephew. Oldest, oldest nephew? Oldest nephew, yes. Oldest nephew. Danny's, uh, Danny's oldest nephew. Um, so uh, so you, you're reminding me of an interesting question that they ask about Anita's. Uh, what happens if a person goes out and eats a meal as an onen, and they didn't bench, and then they do the kvura, and then they still feel full? So do they have to bench? So that's the same thing, that uh, that benching is for eating. At the time that you ate, you didn't have to bench because you're an onen. But now the effects of what you did while you're an onen are still there. So are you now obligated to go ahead and, uh, and say it or not? If I remember correctly, you're not, you don't that if you were putter at the time, then there's no tashlumen. Like you don't make up, uh, when there's do in tfilin. the morning, you don't make up last night's marav. You also don't do tefillin. You, you bury... also don't do tefillin. Tefillin, right, there's maybe a, a separate set but of you, But you, but you do, do, do have dollah. What? But you do do have dollar. Um, so how... Uh... Uh, I asked that Shiloh to Rabbi Shaffel. Oh, what I say? Because I was in that situation, <laughs> and the answer was brucha mavdil, and that was it. That was on, on the Mozart Shabbos you, that you did. Yeah, that's what you had told me at the time when I went through that. You say <laughs> at, at, at the end of, of Shabbos or after after the Leviah? It was at the it, it was at the end of Shabbos because the Leviah wasn't till two more days later. Right, but what if the Leviah situation? Been, right. What if the Leviah had been on Sunday? When you right. can still... so, I, I, so I'd have to look that up again. That's, yeah. uh, that, that, that's uh, also a, 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 an interesting application of, of, of that. Whether or not there's an Onan who flies, do they go ahead and they, uh, they make it up? It should be Beferish somewhere. I just don't know 
you know, off the top of my head, what uh, you know where that is. But uh, but excellent, excellent, very. And, good. And, and, and I yeah, and I remember about the Brook but I don't remember about the Gomel on that time. Right. Yeah, it could be that neither of us thought it uh, thought of it at the at the time. Okay, Gavaldik. Gavaldik, I appreciate it uh, very much. Everybody coming. Continue Thank you, to, uh, to, to stay safe, stay healthy. And uh, and Freyla uh, Chachanaka. And we'll see you, you Tuesday, you. Thursday. Hopefully next week we'll be on for uh, for the various year. Okay, regards to all. Yep. Take care, everybody. Thank all you. Right. Awesome, yeah.